Welcome to the Graceway Weekly Message Podcast. At Graceway, our mission is to bring the future kingdom into the present, and we hope this message encourages you to know and enjoy God, find friends, discover your purpose, and make a difference in your community. Enjoy today's message. Hey, we started a new series last week uh, called Everyday Saints, and we're going to be walking verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. Uh, I don't know about you, but last week was a heck of a way to start. Pastor Tim walked through masterfully, uh, unpacking Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, talking to us about uh, what does God really think of us, uh, reminding us that we are chosen, that we are adopted, uh, that we are redeemed and forgiven. Uh, Just a powerful week. And so last week, we saw in this book of Ephesians where uh, it's a letter written by Paul. Uh, if, you're, if you're new with us, if you're watching online for the very first time, uh, we're glad you guys are here. Uh, but just to catch you guys up, Ephesians is a, a letter from uh, the Apostle Paul written during a time where he was imprisoned uh, to the churches in Ephesus. And so when, when God looks at a city, he doesn't see a bunch of individual churches, When God looks at the city of Ephesus, and there were churches all over Ephesus, he saw one church, his church. When God looks at Kansas City, he doesn't see a church over on in Raytown, a church in Lee Summit, a church in Olathe. He doesn't see that. He sees the church of Kansas City. And so Paul is writing a letter to the churches in Ephesus. The idea would be that this letter would be written, uh, uh, read publicly to the churches to encourage them. Now, one of the cool things about uh, this letter is that it's a letter mostly of encouragement. Uh, Other letters that Paul writes, oftentimes he's calling cats out. Sometimes he even bypasses the introduction altogether and just gets straight to whatever beef he has with the church he's writing to. But that's right. But sometimes you got to get right to business, okay? But in Ephesus, he writes them to encourage them in who God says they are, and for our text today, uh, to thank them, or to write about his thanksgiving for them, and to encourage them in their faith and pray for them. And so today we're going to be in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23, and this is what the Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, And your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the Lord of our, uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes, say eyes, of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. I want to preach to you guys today from the idea, having vision beyond what we can see. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want a vision. And turn to your second choice and say, I need to see. That's right. Uh, I, I grew up on the plains of Illinois. I grew up uh, in, in the country and our, ha- our house was surrounded by flat uh, farmland. You could literally see for miles when the corn was harvested. Uh, and I remember when I was young, my parents used to talk about how great my vision w- was. I had the eyes of a hawk, my dad would say. I could see forever. But around the age 13, uh, my sight began to change and my vision became more diminished. And the last thing that I wanted to do in middle school was to wear glasses. Like no shade if you're in middle school and have glasses, but my 13-year-old self was not trying to be found in, in glasses in these middle school streets, okay? And so I begged my parents to get me contact lenses. My mom had contacts and so she's like, yeah, we can, we can probably do this. And so I was so pumped when the contacts arrived. Uh, Now, one thing I was not really keen on was putting my finger in my own eye. Like, I wasn't really cool with that. So for the days leading up to the contacts arriving, I would practice at home, pulling my eyelid down and and getting my finger as close to my eye as possible before I would flinch and pull away, trying to get my courage up. And me and my mom went to the the, the doctor, and we got a little, there's a little room we could go, and and I could practice putting on my contact lenses. Now, (laughs) y'all, I was back there fighting for my life, okay? I kept dropping the contact lens on the table. You ever drop one on the ground, you can't find it? I would finally get it in there, it would fold in half and go under my eyelid. I kept having to blink to get it out. And then my mom, being as sweet as she is, tries to encourage me with how she thinks I should be doing it. I'm 13 years old, y'all. I'm not trying to hear any of that. Plus, mom, our eyes are different. You got different eyes than me. How can you tell me how to put my finger in my eye when your finger and your eye is different than mine? Mom, if you're watching this online. (laughs) It did not go well. We left the office without me getting a contact in my eye. And y'all know that ride home was dead silent with tension. And we get about halfway home, my mom's like, hey, you know, sweetie, what do you think was the reason why it was so difficult to get the contact lens in your eye? And I was like, with all sincerity, I was like, it was the music they were playing. I couldn't focus. I didn't like the music they were playing. I was so stressed out. But the truth was, my natural sight was getting worse, and I needed something else to go over my eye to give me vision beyond what I could see. I believe in our text that Paul is writing to encourage the faithful saints in Ephesus uh, that they need vision beyond what they can currently see. He was inspired by their growing faith. He wanted to pray for them. He prayed that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and a revelation of the knowledge of him. Keep growing in your faith. He was encouraging them to keep moving the ball down the field, that their faith would continue to, to grow. And in verse 18, he says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. He wanted God to give them a different kind of vision. 
What's Paul referring to here when he talks about the eyes of their heart being enlightened? There's an author named Jeremiah Burroughs who wrote a book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And in this book, he tells a story about two godly men, one named Anthony and one named Didymus. It's like Diddy with a mus on the end, okay? Uh, Didymus. Didymus was a blind man who was full of godliness. And Anthony asked him if he was troubled because he couldn't see. Didymus confessed that it troubled him that he couldn't see, but he responded by saying, Should you be troubled to want what flies and dogs have and not rejoice and be thankful that you have what angels have? Even dogs and flies can see what's in front of them. But through Jesus, we can have the eyes of our hearts opened. We can have the mysteries of God revealed to us. So what are the lenses that Paul prays that we would put on our eyes? What are the lenses that we need to have vision beyond what we can see? There's three lenses Paul talks about. The first is the lens of hope. He prays that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. This word hope in the Greek is elpis, which means the looking forward to something with some reason for confidence respecting fulfillment, hope, and expectation. Uh, An eager watchfulness. With with the day-to-day mundane life that most of us live, we can become uh, bored or, or lazy or even hopeless and listless with day-to-day life. Uh, but the reality is that Jesus Christ is the hope of glory for those who believe. H- have you ever met someone who doesn't have anything they're excited for? Uh, someone who isn't expecting much to happen in life? Someone who you may say has no hope? It, it's kind of, it's sad to See, but it's also a terrifying way to live, isn't it? But I can understand at times. Just take a look at our world today. There's atrocities happening all over the world every single day, and they fill every single one of our news feeds, our timelines, and add on top of that personal loss and devastation. The world needs hope, but Christians need hope too. Sometimes, Christians can get labeled as being so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. (laughs) We just keep singing, I'll fly away. (laughs) And we don't do anything with our life here. But I find more and more that believers are just as distracted by the cares of the world as non-believers. And that maybe we need Paul's prayer now more than ever. That God calls me to hope in something beyond what I can see in my physical life. A hope that isn't based on what I can see or what I can do, but what on Christ has done. So my question is, what are you currently hoping in? Where is your hope right now? Or do you feel hopeless? Where do you need God to put a new lens on the eyes of your heart to see beyond your current situation to the beauty of the riches awaiting for you in glory? It's not, listen, I think in, um, you know, I deal with young adults a lot, and I think that 
in youth, we often believe that we're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And we think very little of the life hereafter. But the longer you live, uh, the more loss you see around you, and the closer you yourself get to the hereafter, the more you begin to think about it. I remember a conversation between me and my dad where he would just talk to me about what he thinks heaven might be like. He would ask me questions like, hey, do you think we got jobs in heaven? I'm like, I don't know, Dad. I'm trying to be retired. <laughs> He's like, no, I think, I think we work in heaven. I think we just love everything we do. And he would just talk about what heaven is going to be like because I'll tell you what, even on my best day, I still come home and think, man, I would rather be with Jesus. We have hope waiting on us. We have something to look forward to. So regardless of what you're currently walking through in this season, put a lens of hope on your life and think about all there is to come. So the first lens is a lens of hope. The second is a lens of inheritance. Uh, the text says uh, that Paul prays that we would know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Maybe we can call this the lens of riches. That'll get y'all's attention, right? God's, God's got a lens of riches for your life, okay? But what is an inheritance? An inheritance is the carefully accumulated possessions of another set aside and preserved to pass on to one's heirs. And ours is a glorious inheritance. Paul says an inheritance which is attended by glory which consists of glory in the presence of God, which is rich beyond all comparison. The believers in Ephesus were, listen, y'all, they were surrounded by wealth. Ephesus was a major trading city. And in this city, the goddess Artemis was worshipped uh, around the ancient world. But this was the center of Artemis' worship was in Ephesus. And the temple of Artemis in Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So much money was coming in and out of Ephesus that the temple of Artemis actually became a bank. They would hold and trade money in the temple because there was so much wealth accumulated there, which means for believers to turn to Christ and deny worshiping the idols of the culture meant they would have, that would have impacted their abilities for certain wealth building. It means that Christians in Ephesus wouldn't be able to do certain things to make a dollar. There were certain places they couldn't go to hustle, certain jobs they couldn't take, certain people they couldn't work for, certain things they couldn't do to bring on personal wealth, just as I know many of you because of your faith in Jesus, there are certain things you just won't do for money. There are certain things you can't do with your mind for a dollar. Certain things you can't do with your body for wealth. Certain things you just, places you just won't go because of your convictions about who Jesus is. Seeing through the lens of inheritance changes the way we see our earthly situation. God has an inheritance prepared for us. 
guaranteed for us by the Holy Spirit. We sometimes live lives of struggle and hurt, don't we? Pain is, to, to, to suffer is to be human. Uh, we, we try to love and to reach out, but oftentimes we fall short of not just uh, God's intentions for us, but even our own intentions for ourselves. Paul prays that we'll be able to comprehend that we have ahead of us a reward that's above all measure. A precious redemption purchased at great cost by our brother Jesus. <clears throat> Someone des- described grace as an acronym. Uh, the letters G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. An inheritance that Christ has purchased on your behalf. So you could be adopted into the family, a brother or sister with Jesus. You see, Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. So all that is God's is his. He owns everything. And he sacrifices his life so that through his blood, you can be adopted as a son or daughter of God, a brother or sister of Jesus. And then he calls you a co-heir with him, which means whatever Jesus has coming his direction, you have coming your direction. God's riches at Christ's expense. This is God's grace to you. So regardless of what your pocketbook says right now, regardless of where your bank account is right now, regardless of what your family heritage is, regardless of if your parents told you how to manage money or not, regardless if your parents took out credit cards in your name and ruined your credit before you knew what credit was, I'm preaching to somebody right now. (coughs) Regardless of all that, you got an inheritance coming. Mm. So put a different lens on your eyes. The last lens is the lens of his power. Verse 19, Paul prays that they would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Paul prays for those who are growing in faith in Jesus. In a city known for worshiping false gods, where all natural power and leverage seems to be with the cult of Artemis, and he prays that Christians would understand the immeasurable greatness of God's power. Everywhere they looked, they saw the power of Artemis. They saw this amazing shrine to Artemis. All the people who had power in the city of Ephesus worshipped Artemis. So seemingly, in worshiping Jesus, you were relinquishing any grasp you had at power. But Paul says, you're not relinquishing power, you were receiving immeasurable power. Of God's power, the Greek word for this is dunamis, where we get our word dynamite. It means strength, might, and ability. 
And the word, it says God's power towards us. The Greek word for toward is ice, E-I-S. And this word toward means uh, it's, it's a word of movement. So it's a word of in us or through us that we have received immeasurable power towards us, in us, and through us. It's a, it's a word of movement. And so the power that we have is moving towards us from God. It's moving in us through God, and it's moving from us for God. Jesus wants his disciples to know that they're experiencing something through the power of God, the Holy Spirit being in you, that we could not have experienced had Jesus not left. Jesus says in John 16, I tell you the truth, it's better for you that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is like, hey, it, it, I can stay, and the 12, 13 of us can hang out, or I can go, and I can send the Holy Spirit to believers all over the world. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Because you have the spirit of the living God inside of you, you have the ability to do works greater than Jesus himself did. If you belong to Jesus, you have power in you. You see, the very same power that empowered Jesus' ministry on earth lives in you. The same power that called Lazarus out of the tomb lives in you. The same power that touched blind eyes and made them see lives in you. The same power that broke bread and multiplied fishes lives in you. And you say, Pastor, I don't feel powerful at all. Then all the more reason that you have the eyes of your heart opened to the immeasurable greatness of God's power towards you. It's right in front of you, but you need vision beyond what you can see. Do you feel powerless in your life right now? I'm telling you right now that is a lie from the pits of hell. You have the power of the living God inside of you. Paul is praying for believers, saying, I, I wish the spirit of knowledge and wisdom would open the eyes of your heart so you could know the immeasurable power of God towards you through Christ Jesus. If you're walking powerless, it's because you have not put the lens of power on your life. God has given us a lens of power, a lens of inheritance, and a lens of hope. So quickly then, how do I get these lenses? <laughs> I want to see this way. <laughs> I want to see with hope. I, I want to see uh, with that riches and inheritance are coming my way. I, I want to see that power is working towards me, in me, and out of me. I want to see this way. How do I do this? How do I get these lenses? Number one. By his strength. Verse 19 continues. According to the working of his great might. Whose great might? His. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. You get this kind of vision when you submit your life under God's strength. 
And he shows us his strength in verse 20 by raising Jesus from the dead. So I can have this, these kind, this kind of vision for my life by submitting myself to the strength and power of God. This hope, this inheritance, this power only comes through trusting what God has done for you through faith in Jesus Christ. The power to get this kind of vision is built into putting yourself under God's strength. I think oftentimes as Christians, we think we have to strengthen ourselves and show God how strong we are in him. I'm going to show God how faithful I can be. I'm going to show God how strong I can be. And God's saying, I wish you would just show me your weakness so I can be strong for you. If you want to have hope in the midst of hopelessness, if you want to have an inheritance in the midst of, of lack in your life, if you want to have power in the midst of powerless in your, powerlessness in your life, just come under the strength of God. Uh, my, I have a grandma, her name was Grandma Sue, my dad's mom. And she was my crazy grandma. You know, you, you got one normal grandma, you got one crazy grandma. Uh, and uh, and you, you need both for different reasons. <laughs> this is the grandma who, um, when I, I, I broke up with my first girlfriend, and I came to grandma's house one time, and the picture that had existed of me and my girlfriend in her house was still there, but she had cut the girlfriend out. You need some grandmas who will cut people for you. Amen? <laughs> and uh, Grandma Sue, she, she didn't care what you asked for for Christmas. Um, she liked to go to Dollar General and buy as many toys as she possibly could, knowing they were only going to last for a day or two. And so she would go and buy <coughs> 15, 20 toys from Dollar General for me. She'd wrap them up, put them in a big decorative trash bag, and bring them to me for Christmas. And I loved opening Grandma Sue's presents. They were the best. I'd open all these presents, but the one thing Grandma Sue never spent any money on, some of y'all know what I'm going to say, batteries. <laughs> y'all have had that Christmas where you open all these presents. They all need batteries. Nobody bought any batteries. <coughs> so I would have all these gifts but no power to use them. That's the beauty of submitting yourself under the strength of God, is the gifts that he gives you, he supplies the power for it. <laughs> and so if you want to view your life, to have a vision beyond what you can see, submit yourself under the strength of God. Secondly, you get these kind of lenses, number one, by his strength, number two, by his authority. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. You get this kind of vision for your life by placing yourself under the authority of Jesus. Um, this is completely antithetical to the American way of life. We don't submit ourselves to anyone's authority. Uh, listen, there are entire algorithms built to send you reels on Instagram about how stupid your boss is. Y'all are laughing because your algorithm knows you. 
We do not like authority. We want to have a vision for our lives based off of our decisions, based off of our vision. And God's saying, hey, there's a bigger vision for your life out here, but you got to submit yourself to my authority, which means Jesus is the boss of my life, which means if Jesus says do it, I do it. What Jesus says goes, goes. And so if you want this kind of vision for your life, it only happens by his authority. And i got to be quick here. The third way you get this kind of vision for your life is by his leadership. See, leadership is different than authority. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So you get this kind of vision for your life by following the leadership of Jesus. It's one thing to say Jesus uh, is Savior. He's the authority over my life, right? It's another thing to say Jesus is my Lord, meaning he leads everything that I do. You can be my boss and I still not do what you ask me to do. But if I say you're my leader, I'm going to follow your direction. If you want to have hope in the midst of hopelessness, inheritance in the midst of lack, and power in the midst of powerlessness, God's saying, hey, you're going to have to follow what I say to do. I'm going to be the one leading you. You're going to have to learn to hear his voice and follow him. And this is how I want to close. I want to talk to you. I want to help you understand what it looks like to have the eyes of your heart enlightened, to put uh, a new lens on the vision for your life uh, by talking to you about uh, sunflowers. Yeah, sunflowers. Uh, Y'all know what sunflowers are? Yep. Uh, So y'all know how a sunflower operates? Um, You know how sunflowers operate? What do they do during the day? They follow the sun, right? So, so let's, let's start this illustration off real simple, okay? We're going to start simple. We're going to go deeper, all right? A sunflower, uh, to grow, it, it begins to track the sun when it rises in the east, and it pivots the head of the flower to keep the face of the flower on the sun everywhere it moves, Not all flowers do this. The sunflower is actually unique in the way that it does it. I won't even geek out on you about how it, I I went way too deep into this this week, all right? (laughs) But it pivots its head to follow the sun. If you want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened to the wisdom and knowledge of who God is, you have to keep your face pointed towards the sun. You have to keep your face towards Jesus when you see him. Now, at night, the sun isn't visible anymore. So, what do you think the sunflower does? Now, typically people believe that sunflower's head droops. And that's what we do, isn't it? We look around and we can't see God moving in our lives. (coughs) We droop our heads. We think God's not around. Now, is the sun non-existent 
when it's nighttime? No, the sun's still out there. and just moving somewhere else right now. The sunflower doesn't droop its head per se. The sunflower begins to rotate its head back to where it knows the sun will be in the morning. I'm working hard up here. In the absence of the sun, the sunflower directs its face to where it knows the sun is going to be next. If you feel like the Lord isn't operating in your life right now, the answer is to get your eyes where you know he's going to show up. Don't stop coming to worship on Sundays because you feel like God's not working in your life. Don't stop showing up to Bible study because you feel like God's not working in your life. Don't stop going to God in prayer because you feel like he's not doing nothing in your life. Keep pointing your face to where you know he shows up. And as sure as the sun rises in the east, he will shine on you. Now, this is where we go deeper. Do you know why it's so important to the sunflower to keep its face pointed towards the sun? It's growth, yes, but as the heat of the sun heats up the face of the sunflower, the aroma of the pollen begins to spread, and it attracts bees to the face of the sunflower. The more bees that come to the face of the sunflower, the more pollen gets taken away from the flower to cross-pollinate other flowers so that it will replicate itself other places. The more the sunflower keeps its face pointed towards the sun, the more likelihood it gets to replicate itself somewhere else. If you want to see God do something in your life and make an impact in others, keep your face pointed towards Jesus. It will heat you up in a way that causes the aroma of Christ to attract other people to you so that it will replicate what a healthy disciple looks like. You want to know what it looks like to be heated up by the Holy Spirit? It means becoming a, a discipleship mentor here at Graceway. It looks like starting a small group here at Graceway. It looks like saying, hey, I need someone to mentor me and signing up to be mentored through D1. That's what it looks like. Are you keeping your face focused on Jesus so that the Holy Spirit can heat you up and draw and attract people that need you replicated in their lives? And lastly, and then I'm done. You know the only time a sunflower stops turning its face towards the sun? When it's done growing. It's the only time the sunflower stops keeping its face pointed towards the sun. When it's done growing. When it's done growing, it becomes rigid. It becomes dry. And it's good for nothing except being harvested and thrown into the fire. I don't know about you, 
I'm not done growing. <laughs> I, I, got, I got more life in me. I, I got more work to do. I've got more things that need to be done. I, I've got more people to impact. I've got more places to go. I have, I have more opportunities to worship in me. I, I have more needs that I need met. I, I need more strength developed in me. I, I, I have more uh, uh, words of worship that I need to cast at the feet of my Savior. Paul prays. Be encouraged, saints. I, I see your faithfulness. Continue to grow in all those things. But I'm praying that the, the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would give you the spirit of wisdom and knowledge of him and that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you could put a lens of hope on your life. You could put a lens of inheritance on your life. You could put a lens of power on your life. So you, you can make more impact than you could ever see to the praise of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today, there's an invitation for you that if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never had the eyes of your heart enlightened, you can start today. If you feel like a sunflower that's just drooped in the darkness, you can be awakened today to the light of the sun by giving your faith to Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today as we close. Whether you're online or in the room, I just want to invite you to Bow your heads quickly with me. Just to pray this simple prayer with me. Let's pray, Jesus, thank you for creating me and for loving me. Even when I've ignored you and gone my own way. I know I need you in my life. I'm sorry for my sins against you and others. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. You are God and I am not. I ask you to forgive me. As much as I know how, I'm ready to change direction by giving you my life. I'm ready to follow you from now on and do what you want me to do. Please come into my life and make me new on the inside. Help me to grow so I can be like you. If you pray that today for the very first time, you're in the building, just go ahead and keep your heads bowed and keep your eyes closed. If you could just slip your hand up and let me know I prayed that for the very first time today. Just put your hand up. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. I just want to get you a Bible. If you're online and you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, you can go to graceway.app and click salvation. Graceway.app and click salvation. If you're in the room and you receive one of those Bibles, inside that Bible there's an information card. Fill that information card out with your name, email, phone number, we want to use that to get in touch with you, with you this week because this is the most important decision you've ever made and you don't need to take the next steps of your faith by yourself. Church, could we celebrate these lives being transformed today? Amen, amen. 
Well, guys, thank you so much for worshiping with us. Uh, so glad you were here today. Growth track, step one is happening at noon in room 102 through these doors. Uh, young adults, Pursuit KC is happening tonight at 6 p.m. in the lobby. We'll have dinner. If you're a young adult, come out tonight. We'll have worship, teaching. We're going to feed you and have a good time. So come out to that tonight at 6 p.m. in the main lobby. I'm going to pray for us. We'll be dismissed, and we'll see you all guys on Sunday. God, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you uh, are saving people. God, we thank you you saved so many of us. God, I pray that today uh, the eyes of our heart would be open today, God, that we would see that you are working things out for our good and for your glory. God, I pray for all my friends here as we leave this place. Uh, that the word we heard today would take root in our hearts and transform us from the inside out. We thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, go with us from this place. Strengthen us as we walk this week, walk this week out and bring us back here on Sunday to worship you again in spirit and in truth. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. We'll see you guys next Sunday.